Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. Today, I'm here with Richard Maltz, who's a photo editor and producer uh, with over 20 years of experience working with Hollywood's biggest talents and on a variety of different uh, projects, no pun intended. Richard, welcome to the show. It's really great to, uh, to have you here. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned before, the show, I think I originally found you through Arch Driver, and, and then I would see your name kind of pop up here and there. And as I tried to get a, a sense of the you know the who's who of the industry, I kept seeing your name pop up, and I was like, I need to meet Richard and find out uh, a little bit about your journey. So, you know, take me from the beginning. Uh, you know, how did you first get into this? Was it uh, through, were you a photographer, and, and then you found that first camera, or did you come on a more director, producer side of things, film? So I graduated college in 90. I thought I wanted to be a photographer. Having went to Penn State, majored in photography, thought I was like, oh, I'll come to New York. I'm born and bred in New York. I'll I'll try to find work there. Only to discover I didn't know shit about photography. (laughs) You know, Penn State did not get me ready for being a professional photographer. It was more fine art. So I just kind of kind of kept hitting photographers until someone was willing to hire me as a third assistant. And I worked in New York for about two years assisting, ended up assisting one photographer a lot, kind of like moved up, learned. I mean, I didn't even know how to load four by five film at the time. I didn't know, you know, how to even, back then attaching lights to packs was a lot more dangerous than it is now. (laughs) Cause I didn't know any of that stuff. And then I moved to San Francisco for two years to assist out there. And kind of discovered that, yeah, I don't really want to be a photographer. I mean, I enjoyed the creative part of it. So I was like, you know, what can I do, you know, and still do photography. And I happened, my father knew someone who knew the photo director at Spin Magazine. And I got an introduction and started interning there. I interned there, God, I can't remember, like a year or so. And they knew somebody. a creative director or somebody at Entertainment Weekly, and they put me in touch with the photo director at Entertainment Weekly. I guess she liked me enough that they're like, we need some help in our traffic department. And traffic back then, for those people who don't remember prints and slides and negatives, was when photographers sent images to magazines, someone had to count them, make sure we got exactly what we thought we were going to get, and kind of track them. And then when you return them, make sure we're returning the same exact amount and nothing gets lost. So I kind of did that and was like, well, this is boring. I don't really want to do this. So I would speed through it and get as much done as I could and then be like, hey, I need something else to do. There's no more, nothing else to traffic. And they're like, well, do you want to, can you research this? And I'm like, sure. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I had to ask somebody. It was definitely a lot harder in 94 to know how to research because you had to know places you just couldn't google it that means like like, finding out like where the well there was like outline you had to know outline you had to know sigma you had to know retina you had to know you know all these agencies it wasn't you know like the two or three big agencies there are now i mean Mm -hmm. you know everybody had like specialties like retina was a lot of music and and outline had you know this kind of stuff and you know it's just you had to know where to call everybody had these huge rolodexes back in the day and i just kind of tried try to make myself as useful as possible and learn as quickly as i could 
and then you know I was at Entertainment Weekly for 20 plus years and I just kind of moved up you know got my first photo shoot which was like some quarter page shoot with I want to say Drew Carey did that (laughs) you know kind of kind of learned like the ins and outs you know made mistakes here and there you know so it was just you know putting my time in trying to learn from the people who were there and being on set I mean from being a photo assistant I understood how valuable it was to be on set with people because you learn things you can't even think to ask and it was just making myself valuable to them and saying hey I need something to do I need something to do that they were just like okay work on this shoot and I you know started on small shoots and then I remember my first big shoot was Conan O'Brien and uh, Andy Richter was like a two-page spread that Jill Greenberg shot you know I still remember it to this day and it just kind of ballooned there and then in 2010 they asked me to move to LA to take over the LA office because the gentleman who had the job before moved on to uh, Turner so that's awesome this is where I am and then I left EW in uh, 2017-ish and then ended up at Variety I think something that I would be interested to learn more about is you know the the process of working on, on shoots I know there's like different kinds and there's obviously oh, all these different variables right there's the research that goes in ahead of time where it's going to be um, Peter Yang was saying that his computer kind of look like a stalker because he would like triangulate all these different people and see where they live and see what the sunlight's going to be like. And, and then, you know, the editing of the photo and stuff like that for someone who really is new or maybe interning for the first time, could you maybe give some insight as to what, you know, a typical shoot would look like? What are some of the things that maybe the average person like wouldn't necessarily know that happened? Well, before we even get to the shoot, I mean, I'm talking to the editor, creative director, photo director, like, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we saying? Mm -hmm. Is the talent, are we making reference to whatever the talent's working on or something else? So you kind of get that information. And then I start researching ideas, you know, Googling things, keywording it, you know, if it's like a pair of guys that you want to be funny, you kind of like look for historic images of comedians interacting and I'll do all that stuff and kind of show it to the powers that be of the magazine. And once they kind of settle on an idea, like, okay, we really like that. Or we want to do this. Then we can start talking about photographers. Is that, is that in books? Is that in like, I'm, I'm curious. Cause I have like a Pinterest page with like 4,000 images from like all over God's green earth from all these different places. For me, I'm just saving stuff on my desktop and kind of, yeah going through it you know it all you know it depends on sometimes the idea hits you yeah and then sometimes you really gotta fight through it entertainment weekly they were really big on concept thing Mm -hmm. so you really had to go through and figure stuff out and have the ideas kind of settled then you kind of reach out like okay we really want you know this photographer to shoot this you know depending on the talent and the publicist, you might have to run that photographer through the publicist and talent first to get the okay before you even reach out to them or maybe you reach out and just say, would you be interested and are you available on this date without you know, giving, you know, I don't like putting too many people on hold and having to release a ton of people. I try to keep it as realistic as I can and say, you know, 
this is the person I want. This is my backup. I'll, you know, make sure they're available my days. Once we get the sign-offs, then you kind of bring the photographer in. Hopefully you have some time. I mean, I've done shoots where you have less than 24 hours and you just have, kind of have to throw money at it. Right. But uh, meaning like flying the I mean, Everybody has an opinion on the yeah. idea. I try not to push the photographer to do exactly what we want because they're bringing their own ideas to it and hopefully they can refine it. So there'll be like some back and forth same thing with the talent and PR. There'll be some back and forth. Like we want to have the person do this. And they'll be like, well, they're not comfortable doing that, but they can do this. So there's like a lot of back and forth. And it could take days to even come up with, you know, three or four ideas that you can agree on to do. And even when you do that, sometimes it don't work out when you're there. Sometimes someone backs out of it. Then you have to hire props and hair and, you know, if it's specialized makeup, you have to find a person who can do that kind of makeup or that, you know, wig master. You know, if you're building a set, you have to hire someone who can build a set, who can do it for the budget you have, because money is obviously. So there are a lot of people involved. And then when you get the set, everybody has an opinion. So like, I feel like I'm managing that as best I can to make sure everybody's happy, make sure I'm getting what the magazine needs. So, I mean, there's so many cooks. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was just, this is what I want to shoot. Let's shoot it. And then you get to work with a great photographer and they're like, that's a great idea, but I want to put this twist on it. I wish it was that simple. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's, and then it's, once you finally shoot it, yeah, you know, the photographer's editing and then I get it and then I edit it and then I show it to our people. And then, you know, Maybe they don't think something is works for the cover, even though I think it works for the cover. You know, maybe they want to be safer on the cover. They just want a, a headshot with eye contact, and they don't want the person sitting on top of the marquee yeah. kind of thing. So it's just a lot of you know, a lot of give and take. Yeah. And sometimes for sure. I feel like I give more than I take. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean it's. There are a lot of people. It, it blows my mind how many people are involved, even for simple shoots. Do you ever find yourself getting like really frustrated in that environment? And there are so many people and there's so many opinions. How do you decide who to listen to? Like, who, how do you, is there, a, do you have, um, how do you I'm like, only get listening. <laughs> there are only a few people I have to listen to. I'm going to listen to the photographer. Yeah. I'm going to listen to the digital tech and I'll listen to the publicist. Anybody else who's coming up to me with opinions, <laughs> their opinions, and if they're good, then we're going to do it. Right. If I don't agree with it. Them. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. you know, that's cool, I've been man. on sets where you're like, I can't, you know, not that it's ever happened, but I'll use this as an example where the caterer is like, you know, that'd be better in red. I mean, that's how <laughs> far down sometimes it gets. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's like, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it, but I want to tell people stay in your lane. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, you know, part of my job is balancing the photographer, what they want to accomplish and the publicist and what they want to get out of it. And then the studio or network and what they want to make sure they're happy with. Yeah. You know, and 
what they want and what we want could be two totally different things. Yeah. So for you sure. just kind of have to find a happy medium. And then sometimes, you know, the ideas I come up with or the ideas that we came to set with don't work or they're stupid and you just have to adjust. And hopefully you have a good photographer who can take your lame idea and make it better. I mean, trust me, I've had plenty of photographers make a lame idea much better than it was. I mean, That's these cool. people, you know, the people I get to work with are so talented, yeah, way more talented than I am. And I just have to kind of put them in a position to be successful and to make my vision or my boss's vision or another photo editor's vision who can't be on set that I'm on set with shine. Yeah. That's so cool. A lot of stuff. I mean, we did a shoot with Striver for Variety where he really wanted to do something that wasn't part of the original concept. And I was like, if we can fit in at the end, that would be great. Let's try it. And then that ended up being the cover. Right. Which one was that? Just a, I have like an insane Oh, oh, I love that shoot so much. I'm a huge Disney fan. That was art pushing at the end that he really wanted to shoot that walking away thing. And I never saw it as a cover. But when I showed it, they're like, this is the cover. That's one of my favorite art Schreiber pictures. But I I, I can't mention him anymore in this podcast because we've only talked one time. And (laughs) I I have fanboyed on every single uh, episode thus far. I think I think I've done 13 episodes his way. Uh, his name finds his way into every episode, but I love that that picture, and um, it's it's really co- kind of cool to get the the behind the scenes on that. And it was such a such a big moment for the company, and um, it really shows you know the the human being. You know what I mean? Like this larger than life yeah. CEO, and then with all these people have all these different opinions and stuff like that. But he was able to convey this story with one image of like like, but he is a human being, and this yeah. is a big move. And there's so many different ways it could have gone. And there's so much with Disney, you, you know, and, and, and so know, many it's also a good example that yeah. I just need to let sometimes let the photographer do the vision they have in their head. Yeah. You know, but for me, in that case, I was like, all right, let's if we have time, let's do it. But I had to make sure I still came back to the office with the stuff that we had talked about. Yeah. So, so, so it was like a bonus. So like this shot's great. Let's run this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good strategy to have. It's just make sure you get everything you can, and if there's still time, then yeah. then you do your own thing. But first, you're making sure that you know you're in the service industry and you are completing what is asked of you, and then you're giving even more. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. There's one group of people I kind of neglected to speak about who yes. have quite the uh, effect on how the photograph runs and looks in the magazine, and that's mm-hmm. the designer. Yeah. I mean. Sometimes a designer can take a not great photo and make it look awesome, mm-hmm. whether it's with the design or they also come up with like, hey, what about if we do this to the photograph? Same thing with the cover. They can take a, an average cover and then make it sing on the, on, the, on the page. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how important designers are to making the photographs look great. I mean, I at one point wanted to be a designer. And I was like, yeah, I'm not that talented. It's like, oh, yeah. you have a talented designer, man. It makes a difference. For sure. Do you mean you from a, a typographic standpoint or from like a set designer or just in general? From a magazine, a magazine designer. Like when right. the photo goes on the page or on the cover, how that person can really affect and make it like awesome. It's like taking a photograph and adding 
a headline to it and making the photo or the design to sing on the page. You know, not every, you know, let's be honest, not every photo is going to be a page turner, like, wow. Right. Sometimes it, it needs help from other people, whether it's a designer or a retoucher or, or whatnot. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover there. That's one of the things that I've, I've recognized. I, I thought, like, maybe did I just waste my time as a design? You know, like I, I got a, a tablet, for example. I learned I wanted to do like illustration. This group, uh, Type Thursday, where I did all like these live events about and learned about typography and went out to Seattle and San Francisco and and then I um, had all these editorial um, book designers that came on on the show before. And I realized that there's really kind of a beautiful marriage between the two. And I think that's why um, at first it might seem kind of surface, like, oh, he's just into people that are into like celebrity portraiture and he just is like clout chasing. But I think that's one of the reasons why I was so attracted to, you know, we, we mentioned Variety Magazine and people and all that different stuff is it's where photography and like layout design meet. And that's, and that's really kind of uh kind of cool. I always wanted to be one of those very like modular, um, in design, you know, like everything perfectly on like a grid and stuff like that. But I, I, I can't, I'm way better off with the, with the you know, camera in my hands, but I have respect it's, the shit out of people who can't do that. You know, I mean, in the magazine, just dealing with the magazine world, it's, it's, it, it's tough because everybody has an opinion about how a magazine looks. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yeah. And, even, you know, even more chefs in the kitchen on the inside of it. Well, yeah. I mean, but, right. I mean, not everybody gets to weigh in, but when the magazine comes out, you know, you'll hear from people who weren't even involved or, or stuff and like, oh, that didn't come out very good. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, we man. had a week. We had a freaking week. <laughs> a have week. a life. Sometimes you have like 24 hours, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it must be harder for photographers. Like, you know, yeah, like, eh, that shoot was okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah I, remember I understand that every one. shoot's not going to be a home run. Yeah. But, you know, I definitely don't want to hear, eh, your that shoot was okay. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. You want them so. to, to, to leave feeling good. Yeah. After the shoot, then what happens? I know that you're on tight turnaround times and stuff like that. I know that obviously there's always different demands and, and different things that they want to see, but um, what is that process like? And, and does the tap, does the person, the, the sitter, I think is the word that I've, I've learned. Uh, did they have a say in, in what gets selected? Does the publicist make that decision and how long do they have before the shoot goes, goes out or it's always different. Well, once the shoot's over, if it's in this case, it's, if it's for variety, if it was for Entertainment Weekly, the other place I worked, talent has no say. That's good. They don't. I would, get I would like of, to get to that point. <laughs> they don't get any approval rights because it's editorial. Right. So once the shoot's over, I mean, even during the shoot, I'm so not, some photographers want to get everything in camera. I don't even worry about that anymore because it's such a digital world. As long as I get pieces of it, I know I can put it together. I mean, if there's a, a shot, you know, so I get the edit. If we're shooting four people, five people, I know there's not going to be one frame that is good for everybody. So I just start going through and Frankensteining stuff and putting it together to show my editors because I want to kind of show that them what it's going to look like and not have them look at something and go, well, she's blinking or, 
or I, I love these two people, but she's looking to the left. So I try to put it all together before I show it. You know, if if the photographer shoots a thousand photos, depending on the photographer, you might get anywhere from 20 to 100. And then from that group, I cut it down even tighter because I don't want to show anything that could end up on the cover that I don't like because that's exactly what's going to end up on the cover. Yeah. If I don't like it, that's exactly what's going to end up on the cover. Everyone says that. It's so funny. So if I if I cut it down to three images for the cover, or a couple images, or four or five images for inside that has four images or three images on the page and a table of contents. So I'll be cutting it down and I'll be doing very bad Photoshopping to put stuff together so my editors can see what it could look like. Yeah. So that's what's happening after shoot. Now, I just did a morning after shoot with uh, Troy Kutzer, uh, with Andrew Eccles, and that was a turnaround of less than a day. Wow. Shot the guy at 10, picked it as soon as he left the building, showed it to my editors at like two, sent it back to him with you know our, our wants and changes that we needed to make to the image, and his retoucher got it back to us by 10 o'clock in the morning our time, Pacific. Wow. Sometimes there's a little more time, and you have time to Vanessa, I mean, I've only worked at a weekly, so I understand that pace. I don't know what it's like at a monthly, but, you know, sometimes having more time to sit over is not a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, you get, I get excited when I get the initial edit. And once I've looked at it a bunch of times, if I come back to it like a month later, maybe it's not as exciting to me because yeah. I'm probably already on to something else. But so the it depends the turnaround. I mean, Unfortunately, it seems like everything is like four days, three days now. Yeah, you know, definitely three days. If a variety, if we can turn around a final image in three days, that's great because then we don't have to pay rush charges. So, I'm learning about all the little details here. This is cool. Yeah, so you know, it comes down to the money. You know, we're also limited. You know, like just due to the budget, like okay, we can afford four final images. So we kind of have to be kind of strategic and make sure that we really want to run it. You know, hopefully there's not a lot of compositing and not a lot of head swapping or I never knew about that until Angie Hayes told me about that. I, I feel like I've been I feel like I've been hoodwinked because a Angie Hayes was talking to me about how they will switch heads and, and, and I, oh, I yeah. knew about like compositing like just from a Photoshop standpoint, but I, I didn't realize just how much it how much it happens and how much stuff I remember Angie or Frankenstein. Angie, you know, and I've worked with Angie more times than I can ever remember and <laughs> she worked in a striver shoot where we shot the new Terminator. And I remember uh, we had them pointing guns and yelling. And I just kind of mentioned, I was like, can we get some kind of muzzle flash? And <laughs> I don't know how she made it, but it looked so real. It was crazy. I mean, she's an artist. Yeah. And so I, you know, over time I've just learned, I don't, if I see it on the monitor and shoot great, but if I see it in five different frames, that's just as good with me because I can put it together. I mean, I've definitely have had covers that were 13 images to make one. That's awesome. I think that's so yeah. cool. I'm a, I'm a designer and I come from this world of like PSDs and, you know, smart objects and stuff yeah. like that. And, and uh, you know, masking things out and stuff like that. 
Um, so I, I know that some people kind of have like that photojournalism background and like you could only change like the, the hues and the shadows and the highlights. But for me, I'm all about sort of making that kind of cool composite of, yeah. of things. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's definitely with celebrities, and especially when you have, you know, maybe three or more. If you want everybody to look great, you're going to do some kind of head swaps, body changes or something. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know. I don't think I've ever really like, okay, make, you know, lose 10 pounds on this person, you know, <laughs> or do this. It's more just like this face looks better. This body position looks better. So that's cool. Cause you know, if you change it too much, people are, you know, especially nowadays, people will call you out. Oh, the internet has probably made that like so much more, so much more. Of oh, a definitely. <laughs> I mean, it used to be Photoshop mistakes was a great website. I can't remember what it was exactly called where you could see things that have happened. Right. Because yeah. now you just get called out on Instagram or Twitter and you get hashtags. So. Oh, no, that's not good. You come from the old school of analog and now you're coming into this digital space where they're swapping heads and there's all of, you know, you could just edit it and post. Do you feel like that makes for sometimes unnecessary changes or, or were there just as many things being I would imagine that more things are being changed now. What has that process been like? And do you feel like just because you, what's, what's that expression? Just because you should doesn't. Just because, because you, you can doesn't mean you should. should. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel there are probably more changes now because you can. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you're making, I'll be on set and they want to spend 10, 15 minutes cleaning the background of the set. And we only had 15 minutes with the talent. I'm like, no, we'll just do it in post. You know, I'm not going to stress about a wrinkle in a shirt. I'm not going to stress about, you know, that the celebrity has a big pimple on their face. You know, I'd rather not spend 20 minutes of having the hair and makeup person clean up the pimple as best they can when I know we're just going to clean it up. Right. It's going to be a click in, in Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to, stress if the background color is not exactly what I wanted because if we want to change it we'll change it yeah and the same thing I've had publicists come up to me and go that's not the right shade of blue and I'd be like it doesn't matter what the <laughs> shade is we'll we'll fix it in post yeah so do they do they yeah, I mean, not believe you when you say that or, or do you well I understand the publicist and the studio people network people maybe don't trust everybody but i feel like i've been in the business long enough and i have enough relationships with people that if i tell them i'm going to do a i'm going to do a yeah you know good. and i always say tell them if you're concerned about something email me about it and i'll make sure i look for it yeah you know same thing they'll be like oh you know she wasn't very happy about the talent she wasn't very happy with how that top was fitting her, you know, her bus line. Can you make sure you, that it's like cleaned up and, uh, you know, and I'll keep an eye out for it. Right. Kind of, yeah. kind of thing. Now, do you ever have the celebrities ever get mad at you? <laughs> have they ever messaged you privately? No, I'm trying to get some I've drama never, on the show. <laughs> I've never had, the, <laughs> I've never had anybody yell at me on set. And just like everybody else, celebrities have bad days. I, I get that. Yeah. You know, sometimes the shoot is probably taking up time that they could be spending with their family or something like that. So I understand sometimes people 
aren't in the best frame of mind, but maybe I've been, you know, for 25 years, I think I've had like three times where I wouldn't want to be back on set with a person. Yeah. So I'm not going to share the name, so don't ask. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have, you know, I, I haven't been asking this question, but, I, but it, it, is, it is, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I'm just curious. You're, you've worked with like everybody. Do you ever have someone who they come to set and they're like a personal hero of yours and then like they're right in front of you? And uh, what is that experience like? Like for me, for example, I love John Mayer. If I was doing a photo shoot with John Mayer, I would be a professional, but part of me would be like, come on, could we just hang out one time? Could we just go get Starbucks together? It'd be awesome. Do you, is it weird to be that close to people that you admire and, and love from like them on the screen, but then you have to be, you know, buttoned up? Is that weird? I, I, no, no, I totally understand it. And I've been doing it long enough that meeting somebody, a, a TV or a movie star musician doesn't phase me. Definitely when I first started, I definitely would geek out. And, you know, but nowadays, you know, I could care less <laughs> who the person is. Yeah. You know, when I get excited now, it's when it's people I don't normally get to shoot with. Like the one time, I met Shaq. I was like, whoa, you know, or when the times I, you know, met Al Gore and other politicians, that's the kind of time I geeked out because those are people I don't get to meet. I mean, if there are celebrities I geek out on, it's probably people who have been famous for way longer than I've been alive. Like I remember yeah. the first time I met Olivia de Havilland, I was like, oh my God, it's Olivia de Havilland. Yeah. But now, you know, I'm just like, you know, I've met George Clooney a few times and it's like, he's a normal guy. I mean, for yeah. me, that's my, my biggest thing is I treat everybody the same on set. If you're the talent or if you're the third assistant, I treat everybody the same. That's so cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel that the people I've worked with over and over again, appreciate that i mean i don't know for a fact i'm assuming you know i don't yell at people you know if someone someone does a great job i'm very grateful if someone was a pain in the butt on the set i remember that yeah and you may and not i'm just not going to put myself something. in a position yeah to be in that position again i mean the good thing for me is i can kind of control who i hire so if someone is not pleasant to work with, I don't have to hire them again. But luckily I haven't had that a lot. I mean, a few times in 25 years, but I mean, yeah. I like to, you know, I was an assistant. So I like to treat the assistants really well because I know what it's like to be an assistant. And if I want, if I'm like, hey, can you, you know, if there's something that needs to be moved and I can move it, I move it. That's so cool. You know, but there's times where I, I can't move it. I mean, I, I know you know. I know you don't want to keep bringing up Shriver, but I've been on set with him so much. Oh, believe me, I'm and, ho I'm hoping that he brings me on as like his like fifteenth assistant. I'll yeah, be there for I've been on art. I will get the coffee. I'm coming out with it now, and I was like, I've been on set with him so much that I always like to say, I just want to be one of the crew members. Yeah, you know, I don't care if I, you know, we're loading in. I will help load in. You know, I don't carry the heavy stuff like I used to, but, you know, I just, you know, 
we're there as a team. And that's what I, I, I try to get that across. I don't know if I'm always so successful with it, but you know, I, you know, my job, the best time I have in my job is when I'm on set and for lack of a better description, I see old friends. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I haven't seen you since this shoot. It's been two years, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I like. I'm not as geeked out these days like I used to be about like, oh, I'm going to meet so-and-so. You know, now it's like I get to see my friends or people I'm friendly with and people who helped me move up the ladder yeah. kind of thing. Or maybe, you know, you know, sometimes my success with showing a photo shoot and having it run on the cover is because of 20 other people. Yeah. And, you sure. know, when my bosses see it, they don't know who those 20 people are. Yeah. So I try to be appreciative when I see people, like try to treat everybody how I want to be treated. So hence, I never yell at anybody and I don't want anybody to yell at me. And I think in the 25 years, 25 plus years I've been doing, I think I've been yelled at once. Outside of this, I'm a DJ and I've been doing it for a long time and that I feel confident about. But on the morning of, like when I go to my storage unit and I go and get my stuff, in my heart of hearts, I know that things will probably go off without a hitch, but I am downright paranoid. I think that I'm going to go to the wrong place or that, you know, that, that I'm going to the wrong venue. It, it, it has happened before where I've gone to like the wrong thing. You name it, it has happened. Do you have that experience? Do you feel I anxious? I feel anxious from as soon as they tell me we're going to shoot so-and-so for the cover. Can you work on it? I stress about it. Am I going to get a good idea? Am I going to find the right photographer? Once I find the right photographer, you know, are people going to show up when they tell me they're going to show up? First, I've had shoots where people didn't show up, you know, whether talent didn't show up or a stylist didn't show up or what do you do when the talent show doesn't up? show up not to interrupt you sorry but I've, I've been meaning to ask this question what happens if you do this whole big thing this whole big production and then they don't show up i would imagine that happens and what happens in it that does case? and sometimes you know can you sue them <laughs> no. no because you know you know sometimes it's because they've had a family emergency right or, or something else and hopefully you can just pick up and do it again tomorrow Granted, it's going to cost you double now, but yeah, I mean, there've been but times. That's all where, written into the contract and stuff. Though, there's right? no contract. No contract. There's no contract with the talent. Really? Yeah. I would have thought that there'd be some sort. There's of a contract with the photographer that lays out all the stuff. But right. I'm paying everybody. I'm paying the magazine is paying everybody for the day. So yeah. if we're supposed to shoot someone on Thursday. And the talent doesn't show up on Thursday, and we have, and they're agreed to do Friday. I'm gonna have to pay everybody again. Oh, that's not good. Now, you know, maybe the photographer doesn't get paid again because they're getting paid for the shoot. But I'm sure that's a discussion that you have with the photographer. Yeah. You know, God forbid that they don't. They have a shoot the next day. Hey, I don't want to <laughs> think about that. Yeah. I mean, but I going back to stressing. I've had shoots where photographers who were based in LA were flying into LA from the East coast during the winter. And I've been paranoid that they're going to get snowed in. So I obsessed about everything. Yeah. You know, and you know, maybe that makes me a good photo editor. Maybe that just makes me a pain in the ass. I don't know. <laughs> but Probably a good photo editor. I, I, I just, I mean, I, yeah, 
and part of that is just because how my mom probably raised me to be a worry wart. So yeah, I worry here. about everything. I come but from so, a, you know, long, a long line of paranoid people. It's in, mean, the, it's in the DNA. Yeah. The, the good thing, you know, for the people I work with at Variety and worked at with Entertainment Weekly, they're professionals. So there's probably not a lot to worry about. The stuff that you can't control, you just can't control it. If the talent gets sick, there's nothing to do that. The COVID, if the photographer tests positive for COVID and the shoots in two days and you need to find a totally new photographer, you know, you can't control that stuff. And yeah, while it's fun to look at it on the back end, it sucks when it's happening and you're in the middle of it. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. It, it's always a good feeling to, to when you get to the end of it or, or you can, you know, because I've had total train wrecks happen, like with DJing stuff where it's, like, you know, all of a sudden, like my board's not working. I one time I was at a, uh, I did a Christmas parade. And um, there was, I was on Main Street, there was, it was in my hometown, there was about 700 people standing out on the street. And the, the generator blew both of my speakers at the exact same time. I might as well have been like NBC on on freaking 34th Street on Macy's Day because everybody was looking at me. There was no sound. And yeah. I got I got through it. I got through it. But it's things like that that make me so anxious. And you never I'll, can uh, have enough time. If I wasn't early, I would have... something that was kind of funny. <laughs> the thing I've probably stressed out more about in photography is a piece of technology that's like $10. The it's the damn cord that goes from the camera to the computer. Yep. The cheapest thing in the whole production when you have limited time with somebody and all of a sudden the camera can't communicate to the computer because of the cord, it drives me crazy. I'm always like, just shoot the camera, just shoot the camera. Because you <laughs> only have so much, you know, you only have 10 minutes with this person yeah. and you're spending what seems like all of the 10 minutes trying to figure out how to get the cord to connect to the camera again. For sure. But, you have so to that, have like three or four of everything. Like that's been It doesn't favorite. matter. I mean, and even that still. cord, when the cord doesn't want to work, the cord doesn't want to work. And yeah. it just, I've spent more time worrying about cords not connecting to the camera than anything else, probably. As Which DJ. seems silly because the cord is probably $10. As a DJ, the bane of my existence, the worst thing, two things, is not having the USB C Type C Mac charger, not having that. Like you leave and you have everything, you have your whole system, but the charger for the computer, I literally have to hold it up and like, look at it. And then the other thing, and, and it's the, it's literally this small, but it can wreck your whole event is the, uh, the adapter for the I, the headphone adapter. And they're hard to come by and they usually don't have them at like Seven Eleven or something, an absolute nightmare, two things that will just wreck your day if you don't have them. So I can totally relate to that. All right. This has been so much fun. It's been really great. Another uh, Art Striber fanboying session is complete. I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have one more question for you for the road. Okay, here we go. This is a fun little throwaway one. I know you've worked with everyone and their mother in terms of celebrities. You've gotten to work with all these different people. Is there one person who's sort of like the person that's got away or just the stars never aligned that you're really hoping to work with? And, and if they're listening, and we, and we know that they are, maybe, maybe they'll hear today. <laughs> Well, if we're just talking celebrities, I would yes, never say I work with a celebrity. 
with celebrities, politicians, yeah. you know, famous. Well, famous. I don't, I don't, I don't work with them. They happen to be there when we're shooting it. Yes, but they're like three people I've never been on set with that I would be interested in being on set with. And we'll take three. You'll take three, and so the first one is Leonardo DiCaprio. Never even had a chance to be oh. on set with them. Uh, the next two, I've had chances to be on set with them, and for circumstances where they're shoot got canceled or it moved and I just couldn't do it. it was Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I just never been on set with any of those three, which is kind of strange between all the Comic Cons and Sundances and yeah, it seems Toronto's like they're out it seems like they're out there kind of thing. Yeah, just for one reason or another, just never crossed my paths. I mean I definitely had worked on shoots with Brad and Angelina. They just never happened. Yeah. It didn't happen with me on set. Yeah. Well, there's I mean, that's time. like, there's still you know, time. Just something like, I might, you know, when I was working at Entertainment Weekly, I was in LA. I was the only one in LA at that time. Everybody else was in New York. So when the, the New York photo editors would put shoots together in LA, I would go to them. And vice versa, if I worked on a shoot that was near New York, they would go to them. So, you know, I think I was like working on, a Jolie shoot and it just kind of changed locations and someone else started working on it or went to it and stuff like that. So it's yeah. just like circumstances, but. Well, I know for a fact that they're all Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and, and I'm on and their list they're too. all They're all listening. And, and I'm sure once yeah. they hear this podcast, then they'll... I'm sure they're like, Hey, I've never been on set with Richard. And I feel <laughs> shorted for that. Yeah. Not having cool. that experience. Well, one of these days I am going to invite myself or break through security and come on set with you and our Schreiber. And I, uh, I think ever... anybody who's not in the photo world <laughs> who would be able to get on a photography, a real professional photo shoot would be dumbfounded. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you never you want ever... to see how the sausage is made. You ever see the movie, The King of Comedy with Robert De Niro? Yeah, That's a long what... time ago. But but you know how basically that's that's sort of like how I feel with with all all you guys is I'm I'm, I'm like down in my basement pretending that I'm on, on the shoot but really I'm just like by myself just alone in my garage and it's all very sad but what one of these days I'll uh, I'll come and run the circles with you guys it'd be cool well, one of these days you'll be doing it I, I know I know that's good well I feel like I, I am I'm looking up to the to the right people I feel like I I, I am going in the right direction and. Uh, Thank you for your time today. Thank you for all this insight and for dealing with my craziness. Your website and all that stuff where people can find you. And uh, and maybe I should do this from now on. In closing, um, when people are reaching out and trying to get in touch with people like yourself or Art, um, what are, are some of the things that you like to see when someone's reaching out? Or, and what are some of the things that you're hoping not to see or are getting tired of? What I like to see would be a personalized email. I get too many canned emails that Obviously, someone's bought a list server from, and you can just tell they're canned because they don't mention like the company or, or something, or don't mention like, oh, I really liked this that you worked on. So definitely, you know, personal touch to it. Probably not with a lot of attachments, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. And then I, it, it's probably just me. Probably don't reach out to me via LinkedIn. You know, maybe try to search out my work email and send me an email at work. You know, LinkedIn has gotten really, Instagram really spammy recently. I don't really check my Instagram messages, so it's probably not 
yeah a great way to reach out to me so i'd much rather get an email that i can look at my leisure and file away i mean yeah i mean gone are the days of people mailing cards and saving them and now you just have to kind of save people's websites and and stuff like that so i would say the biggest thing is more personal yeah more personal less can I mean, if you're sending it to 100 people there's a good chance i'm not looking at it yeah as somebody who reaches out to people basically for a living that's like all i do is like reach out and try and get in touch with people doing a pretty damn good job of it i'm just kidding uh but one of the things that i would recommend just to add on to that is that there was a time period where dms were somewhat new to instagram and they were kind of underutilized and I built my whole first podcast off of that. But those days, I think, are over. Most people don't even check their DMs. Uh, and then, like you said, like taking the time to go to some... A lot of times, I've found that people hide their email on their website. So they'll have their website, and then you go to their website, and then that's like phase one. And then phase yeah. two is writing something that's short and genuine and to the point. Like fanboying a little bit is probably a good thing because they know you're real. I'll give you the biggest to not to do. Here we go. Don't tag me in a photo I have nothing to do with. Oh, I wouldn't do that. People do that. It happens a lot. Wow. They'll like tag me, you know, a photographer or somebody wants me to look at their photo and they'll tag me in it. And of course I'm like, oh, who's tagging me? You know, and I'm like, I have nothing to do with this photo. Yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, that would be a no. I can't guarantee that I'm not going to Photoshop some of my work after t- talking with you today. Uh, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to put the Variety logo over the top of some of my recent portraits, but that'll just be for the private stash. Just don't tag me. Yeah, yeah, I won't. I won't <laughs> but I, I don't won't. know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Won't hurt me. That's awesome. Well, so, thanks a lot for you know inviting me on. Yeah, it's richardmalts.com, right? Or richard-malts.com. Uh, is it? Yeah, dash. Yeah. No, if you want to see, that's my personal website. That's not, you know, work. At rmalts on uh, Instagram. Yes, exactly. Don't and tag me in your pictures, but I say only what's post up. work stuff. No personal stuff <laughs> for me. Thanks for your uh, interest in me. Yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been a lot of fun. All right. All right, buddy. I'll see you. Have a good night. Later.